You are now listening to the Blue Record. Yeah. Check it. Yeah. We in this together. A Spelmanite is a warrior fighting for justice We can never be silent, so yeah, we causing a ruckus Lift our voices up to bring injustice down Speaking truth to power, we loving the sound Undaunted by the fight, love is all we need It's time to clear out the air so we all can breathe Ain't no stopping us, we stick together This bond is gonna last forever Marching every day until we free That's our buried treasure Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Blue Record Podcast. My name is Gabby Gladney, and I will be a host for this episode. My name is Hollis, and I'm also a host on this episode. And for a very special episode, we brought in some guests to discuss a very special movie and kind of delve deeper into what this movie means for the Black community, the lessons we can take from this movie, and um, I'm going to... Go ahead and ask the guests to introduce themselves, starting with Jope. Hey, everyone. My name is Jope. I am an archivist for the Blue Record and for for the record. And I'm also an English major, film and visual culture minor at Spelman College. Hey, y'all. My name is Ananda Griffin, and I'm a junior philosophy major from Atlanta, Georgia. Here on the Blue Record, I am a co-editor-in-chief for the blog, and I also transcribe the episodes. Hey, y'all. My name is Stephanie Crawford. I am a junior documentary filmmaking major, film studies and visual culture minor from the DMV, and I also serve as a co-editor-in-chief of the blog and audio transcriber. So many hats. (laughs) Love you all. Love this work. (laughs) Yes. So to go ahead and introduce our um, episode topic, Joke, do you want to share the inspiration for the episode? Yes, I would love to. So I wanted to discuss The Wiz because it's one of my favorite films of all time. And I wanted to take a deeper look at Dorothy. As you all know, we are all experiencing COVID-19. And we are doing school in the midst of a global pandemic. Like Dorothy, we're navigating unfamiliar terrain. And I love Dorothy because she is soft, fragile, weary, and afraid. Much like me sometimes during this moment. I be crying, I be weary, and I appreciate (laughs) her for that. So I really (laughs) wanna talk about Dorothy and the Wiz and how we as a Spelman community can care for ourselves, how we can develop a sensitivity and grace and compassion as we are doing this Zoom University. So I would like for you all to all meditate on the question. As we watch Dorothy journey through Oz, think about what we can learn about ourselves as a Spelman community navigating the unfamiliar terrain of Zoom University great setup to the episode joke and to be clear we're mostly commenting on the Wiz the movie the 1978 version but there's been several several adaptations isn't that right yes let's give everyone a little bit of context and I'll talk about the levels of adaptation 
So the 1978 Wiz is a fantastical Motown production that was directed by Sidney Lumet and starred so many black legends. My fave, Diana Ross as Dorothy, Motown veteran Michael Jackson, Nipsey Russell, Richard Pryor, Lena Horne, and Mabel King. The soundtrack was arranged by Quincy Jones. And this black cult classic derives from L. Frank Baum's famous children's novel titled The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Baum's novel captivated the world's imagination in 1900 and has succeeded for generations. So you all may know that there's the 1939 queer classic, The Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland. Then there's the 1975, The Wiz, which is a Broadway production that was unapologetically black and performed by an all black cast and creative team. It won seven Tony, Tony Awards and it brought out a community of black spectators to get to the theater and watch Dorothy's narrative unfold. The Wiz finally came to the silver screen in 1978 when Motown got the production rights to produce the film. And instead of having the original black creative team, we added more white folks to the cast. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. Not we, they. <laughs> they, yeah, they, um, those <laughs> folks. The Wiz finally makes it to the silver screen and it has some unique challenges. It's trying to resist the controlling images of the black exploitation era. And we see, um, we see, although The Wiz is trying to resist and it comes at the end of this era, it still re reproduces a couple of harmful images. And we'll get to that a little later. But I would like to talk about what The Wiz does so well. The Wiz taught Hollywood that black actors could be casted in almost anything. It pushes our imaginations to think about black women more, create, more creatively. In doing so, it challenges us to think more creatively about ourselves. And it has, it has made possible the 2015 live televised adaptation adaptation of The Wiz and so many others. So I love The Wiz and the AUC loves The Wiz and I quickly wanna get into some of the history of the AUC and The Wiz. In the 1970s, the Spellman and Morehouse Players was a theater troupe that put on a production of The Wiz. The Wiz was also very present as Spellman stepped into its second century. For Founders Day in 1983, we had the Harlem Dance Institute put on different performances and selections of The Wiz. And as you all know, in 2018, HH, the glorious HH, did a <laughs> stroll inspired by The Wiz. We have such a rich history when it comes to The Wiz. And it is because Dorothy, she forges community. She forges, she encourages us to celebrate and think critically. So now I'm gonna pass the mic over to Ananda to talk a little more deeply about black exploitation and more about the film. The Wiz kind of ends the black exploitation era, um, especially as it's, um, it was produced in 1978. 
And the definition of a black exploitation film is a variant of the exploitation film genre consisting of low to mid budget non mainstream US genre films released between 1970 and 1975, starring black actors in key roles and originally intended for black urban audiences. So this kind of gets tricky in that a lot of black exploitation films create and package images of black people that aren't necessarily progressive. So I, the archives team pulled out some excerpts um, from different dissertations and things from the AU that came out of the AUC. So next I'm going to quote, quote um, Eddie Yancey's dissertation in which he talks about um, larger themes, just like how black people are, are like portrayed in media. But there is a portion in which he references black, black exploitation, which I'll read. Stephen Hames wrote that the presentation of blackness, such as black exploitation films, Soul Train and network television, ultimately transformed black culture into signifiers. Absent of historical references to black life and absent of signification, of signification other than making luxury consumer goods pleasurable to middle class whites. This stripping of history and significance from Black culture has reduced it to a simulacrum. Sorry, I could never figure out how to pronounce that word. But yeah, so I think a lot about how, in, even in The Wiz, which is a great film and it does a lot for the Black community itself, it recreates a lot of ideas about Black people or portrays Black people in a not so great light. Take, for example, the crows that bully the scarecrow, which was really interesting to watch. But then also more specifically, I think about how they treat a lot of the women characters, um, the femme characters in the film. So like, for example, the good witches are mammified in a lot of ways, right? So they're depicted as bigger um, and therefore undesirable, but they're these all giving all kind um, people who are desexualized and like removed from humanity. Then you also have the, um, the bad witches, the wicked witches, um, as the film says. And these characters are often depicted as dark skinned, also large, and just like, the, even their features, like having like bigger noses and all these other things are supposed to portray them as undesirable and therefore like be signifiers of how evil they are when this caricature is um, is not necessarily useful or helpful to people who actually have these features. So it contributes a lot to featureism and colorism and fat phobia by displaying like the evil black women, quote, 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 in this way. In doing the research for this episode, I started thinking a lot about the research of my friend Taylor Dews, who did a project about different ways that even media for Black folks can recreate and reproduce unuseful and unprogressive um, ideas about Black people, such as the Mammy or the Jezebel, or just like this evil dark-skinned character as the wicked witches are portrayed as. You could even see like when the house fell on... Um, the witch at the beginning of the film, you could tell that she was bigger based on like the stockings and everything. So there was a lot of hard work put into signifying these black, these bigger black women as not necessarily great people. Mm. 
thank you for that context, Ananda. And um, definitely something to keep in mind as we talk about the film. Um, just because it's important that although there is so much cultural analysis and themes and messaging that we can take from it, it's important to consider where it came from, who was behind it, and what the world was looking like at the time that it was made, because that all feeds in to the overall messaging that it's sending out, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. So now, why don't we just pull back a little bit and talk about what we liked about the film, what was everyone's favorite moments? Hollis, you want to start? Yeah, sure. So I really like the movie The Wiz. I saw it for the first time when I was a child. And so I had to rewatch it when considering and thinking about this episode a little bit more deeply because inevitably when I was a youngin, I picked up on little to nothing but the fact that there were like small, fun looking creatures running around. And in a lot of ways I pulled much of the same in the rewatch. But something that I really love about The Wiz is that it kind of I think a lot of times in media, you don't really see Black people, especially at that time, in very, like, fantastical, ridiculous, like, otherworldly situations, if that makes any sense. And it's really amazing to see Black people and Black icons at that in this kind of new, fun, fantastical world. But also, there's a lot to be problematized about how even in this new interesting world, a lot of these problematic stereotypes from our current messy world are pulled into the narrative. So there's a lot to consider. (laughs) A lot that we have unpacked and will continue to unpack through this episode. But I know that you have a lot of strong feelings about the ways Gabby, so I'm interested to hear you share them. Uh, I wouldn't say that they're extremely strong feelings. (laughs) I really like movies and film criticism so and I I really think it's something that's been in me since I was a child because when I was a child and saw this movie I thought wow Diana Ross can really sing Lena Horne is great takeaway this movie is slow I'm a little bored the pacing is off so as a (laughs) film to me as a film the movie leaves a lot to be desired but that doesn't mean that I can't recognize how amazing it is to see Michael Jackson hit that low note absolutely crows that which is by the way my favorite part of the film is you can't win love it (laughs) um and so yeah I think there is a lot to love about it from a musical standpoint oh my god Quincy Jones put his foot in the sound probably great um but you know, like the other storytelling aspects got neglected, whereas the fantasy, the black exploitation, the cultural messages got elevated. So that's really my opinion. But Stephanie, what do you think about the film? So, um, yeah, the last time I probably saw this film, I was like, I don't know, in middle school or something like that. And definitely when it comes, like, when I was watching it, I was like, this movie is two hours long. Oh, Lord Jesus. So like, but I still have really fond memories of watching the movie. I was like, oh my gosh, but the music was like so good and everything. I would say definitely as a movie, there is, there are some things I'm like, y'all could have cut this out. Like, do we have a need to have another song 
tell me the line that like yes together like do we need to have three songs no yes you got all them story. singers yeah so um there's definitely a lot of <laughs> jokes that you have to do <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely on a movie and story standpoint, there's a lot left to be desired. But I'll say my favorite moments are just always the musical moments because that's what really makes the film. And just seeing like some of my favorite sequences, one, the whole Emerald City sequence, like mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. is a just wow, gorgeous cinema. Like just seeing all the colors and seeing just these black people just being like oh, luxurious and just uh, it's like I love that sequence so much like I literally want to be walking around in that circle strutting and whatever color they tell me like today's the new color I will do that it's it looks so much fun and then also brand new day that is just such a just talk about joy that whole sequence is just so joyful and light and I'll go in a little bit deeper just even the the lyrics of that song is tied to just liberation and everything and just the music and how the dancing and uh, it's just a gorgeous sequence. And since like, I mean, I was in choir previously and we sang that song and even singing it was just so much fun. So being the Wiz, we have definitely a very close connection. I do love that movie a lot. Those were like my favorite moments from there. Yeah, the the dance, anything with dancing was amazing. All the sequences were great, except for the subway sequence, which I don't talk about. Terrifying. That's horror. (laughs) It is. It's horrifying. It was a little too close to home. That and like the Willy Wonka like tunnel scene where they're like something about those children's movies having dark area tunnel stuff. I don't know. Okay, Ananda. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am gonna agree with Stephanie about the whole like when they made it to Oz and all the colors and the fashion. The fashion. It was just really <laughs> beautiful and mesmerizing to me. I'm like, dang, I wanna, I wanna switch up too. You know, like yellow and green. I don't know. <laughs> I just really loved, um, just seeing. Black people express joy in that way and express having expression through clothing, even though the wizard was in control of the color. I just really like the different forms of expression that came through in that scene. I agree. Um, And Jope, did you have any particularly favorite moments or, you know? Outfits. Yeah, I want to. <laughs> I want to piggyback on Steph and Ananda's statement. Emerald City is a moment. It is a moment mm-hmm. in our history, and I am going to have a twenty-first birthday with the Emerald City theme. So, yes. I love you all. Oh wow, you're just nuts, <laughs> nuts <laughs> And I just want to talk to like how much of a feat and how fantastic that scene is because 400 dancers were performing in that scene. Mm. Three outfit changes. Wow. Mm. 22 speakers. Mm. Okay. A production World Trade that. Center. Like, come on. That is, it was something to see. Production. So, I mean, such a beautiful, such a beautiful moment. I think mine is just... Diana Ross, seeing her ease on down the road in those heels. This woman kicks. She does cartwheels. Hits the split. She was running. Absolutely. 
she does everything in those heels and it's just like whoa that's crazy so um i love diana ross in this film because she is sensitive she's weary but then she's also on the move and she can dance and she has rhythm and she can sing mm -hmm. so i just yeah i just love the film i love the film so much it really is so good i forgot to mention the back-to-back -back, like um, Lena Horne sequence mm -hmm. and then where she sings home is just some of the best like musical moment ever to be on film it's just really moving and I do want to give a quick shout out to the Wiz live in 2015 because I can't believe that they were able to recreate it to the level that they did on live television and Shawnice Williams who was the who played Dorothy was like 19 straight out of high school so wow. the the film, you know, it's it's it has something, and it's filled with things to take from it. When you can still do it, however many years later, and the, on a completely different platform, and it still shines through. So, speaks mm -hmm. to the vision of everyone who was working on the film, Sydney Lumet, and all of the costume designers. Truly amazing. Who are typically the real MVPs of every film? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, okay, so now that we've kind of discussed what we love about the film, what we maybe didn't like about the film, it's really time to get into the analysis portion and discuss what parts of the film we can take with us today in our everyday lives, especially during this tumultuous time. Um, so Joe, why don't you start us off with the heart of our discussion today and what exactly we're going to be focusing on? Alrighty, so today I want us all to talk about um, Dorothy and her performance. Dorothy gives us a necessary vision of Black femininity that is vulnerable and soft, unsure and afraid, and her journey through Oz gives her the freedom to release expectations and just ease on down the road. Dorothy inverts controlling images of Black womanhood, especially the strong Black woman trope. Um, and we see this all the time in cinema, those Black women who can take on the world, who are composed, will never give up, don't break a sweat, can literally do anything. We th see those images all of the time. And Dorothy, she takes on this challenge of learning about herself um, and healing others with with grace and then also some tears. And I think that is very necessary. So I wanna talk about Dorothy um, and see like, what have we all learned from her? What have we taken from her? Um, did she move you all in any way? I think the character of Dorothy is really incredible because Dorothy is kind of a mess. Mm. Um, the movie starts off She's sort of just trying to get her life together. She gets thrown into this ridiculous situation and is faced with all these new circumstances. But while things are like horrible and she's trying to get home and get her dog and all of these tumultuous events, she also does have a lot of like joyful moments and is still able to experience happiness and build new relationships. And there's a lot of goodness in the midst of the larger plot that's kind of everyone's life is a disaster, how can we fix it? And I think in a lot of ways that parallels the situation that we're in now, in which 
life is a mess and a lot of crazy ridiculous things are happening but also there are moments for joy and I think that that's something that really resonates with me with the character of Dorothy yeah Hollis I think that resonates with me as well I love how Dorothy is given the space to release all of her burdens and figure herself out yeah. without, I remember in the beginning of the film, Aunt M um, kind of contesting and questioning her desires to stay and remain a kindergarten teacher. As she's going through Oz, the scarecrow, um, the Tin Man and the, the lion are very gentle with her. They believe in her and they, they affirm that she knows what she wants you know in the film she wants to get back home and nobody is nobody along her side is saying oh no i don't i don't think that's what you want that's not what you need they're giving her that agency mm-hmm. and i think that's also beautiful um another another thing that i really love about the ways that i didn't read before until seeing it again but um dorothy is quite queer you know at um <laughs> at the Thanksgiving table, um, she is not a big fan of Gil, the guy in the brown suit who Aunt M wants to partner her up with. And she's super uncomfortable. I mean, she's leaving the kitchen. The whole family is singing their little song and she is gone. She is lost. And she tells us, I'm, I don't understand what they're feeling. So she's this queer woman who... Um, needs to go on a journey of self-affirmation and figure out what she wants. And it's beautiful to see her treated tenderly in this moment where it's kind of chaotic and kind of confusing for herself to figure out. That is so interesting. I never even picked up on that. Do you think it was intentional? Um, so I think The Wiz has very queer roots. You know, Judy Garland is a gay icon icon so mm-hmm. the whiz <laughs> it's gonna pick that that note up um I, for me as a spectator i i was just like yeah i i think she's pretty she's pretty queer the way she just takes gill's coat and doesn't even like give him any mind the discomfort i think it's like um dorothy she doesn't want she doesn't i think okay queerness is unintentionally set up because we see in the opening scenes how Mm -hmm. um, the couple with the family is celebrated. Like this little girl scouts out the couple, the new married couple with the baby and the whole family greets them at the door. You see the young couple who's kissing. Um, So, and then the family celebrates them when they come back to the Thanksgiving table. So the whiz it's setting us up to say like, to put us in and understand that heteronormativity is what's celebrated. And then Dorothy here at this dinner dinner table is very uncomfortable. She's not getting it, she's not feeling Mm. it. And then she goes on this journey. So I think it's like, it's in there, it's in there. Oh yeah, I'm seeing it. Yeah, I see the vision. One thing I did like know is how like alone she, is in the film and even like thinking in retrospect like how um she like always has this desire to go home but she never really looked comfortable Mm -hmm. where she was at yeah 
that's one thing that was like just so striking for me in the film. I guess she wants to get back to like a place that's familiar, but her home really didn't feel like home to her. And so, and she was just like that one moment where they're all together in the kitchen at like the dinner table at some kind of celebratory dinner. And that's usually like the places where all great memories, all that stuff is there. But you see everybody else being in communication, being in this love, and they're all singing a song about how much we love each other and how we have this feeling. And she's like, I don't know what y'all talking right. about. And so she's in this like cold little kitchen and everything while they're in this nice warm room she's singing by herself it's snowing outside like I don't know what this feels like I can't even relate and I think it's really kind of interesting of how when she goes on this journey she kind of finds what that feeling is like this is what it feels to belong it's what it feels like to have a community it's what it feels Mm -hmm. like to be loved and cherished because yeah she really wasn't kind of supported at home she right. was a little bit undermined. Like, even if it was her family just trying to, like, girl, come on, like, let's get a little something together. Like, you know, who knows how that dynamic was. But she, until she really got out on her own and was able to find a community people that was like, nah, girl, like, you know, we got to work on some stuff. But, you know, we can, we can come together and we can, like, grow each other. And so I think that that journey throughout the, um, the film is something that is very notable. And then by the end of the film, she's, you know, definitely a lot more sturdy and composed in herself, or she's not as afraid, not as insecure. Like when she goes home, she's like, no, I'm in myself. This is who I am. And she's secure. Yeah. And so I what you're saying is your family doesn't sing a song to each other at dinner about how much you love each other. every night. No, it would be wonderful. But no, if it was like ah, in the form of okay, like roast, okay. we do that all the time, but <laughs> <laughs> not in a song. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it all comes together in that song at the end, home, because I believe she says something like, "I wish I was home, knowing all the things I know now." I'm really paraphrasing, but that's like a part of the lyrics. <laughs> so it really speaks to what you were talking about, um, about the journey being what she needed to feel at home somewhere else. Like she had to right. go abroad, find herself, and then go back with the knowledge that she gained and just bringing it back a little to the queer conversation just you know to make it to break it down a little for the audience I think even outside of her potentially um you know just limiting it to discussions of sexuality her her rejection like Joe was saying of these kind of heteronormative standards is like a non-normative way for black women to be in that time, which would be like, you know, queering, queering the black woman's role at home. Right. So I love, I love that interpretation. I've never thought of that before, but especially now that I'm taking a queer studies course, I'm like, yeah, she is like kind of subverting what's expected of black women at that time. And you know, that's a, that's a theme that follows throughout the movie. But as we also are going to discuss, um, she's subverting something that is also present in the film, <laughs> that there are, there are um, stereotypes and limitations that appear. So it's interesting how they can kind of, how that kind of sits together within the movie. Right. So now as we're looking at Dorothy as kind of, kind of revolutionary if might I add this queer black woman 
who is very soft. She's subverting these strong black woman tropes, healing herself, um, defining what she wants for herself. I want to think, how does she hold up to the Spellman woman? Is she doing something a little different? Or could she be a part of us? How are you all feeling? Well, it depends on which version of the Spellman women we're discussing. You know, she has evolved over the year. <laughs> over the years. <laughs> Spellman-ish. Yeah. So oh my the current Spellman woman, I think, is very much in line with... Um, the portrayal of Dorothy, you know, we're encouraged to use our time at Spellman as like a journey through Oz <laughs> and trying to meet all the new people and gain things in order to better ourselves to go out into the future and feel confident in our abilities. So I think it's very similar in that sense. Now, I don't know if someone went, someone else wants to bring up past iterations of the Spellman woman or past... Um, you know, interpretations. But I really agree with what you said, Jope, about Dorothy being, you know, revolutionary in a sense that we're witnessing a Black woman take a self-journey, a journey for herself. And for a lot of us at Spelman, that's also what our time at Spelman is. Mm. Yeah, Gabby, you referenced uh, past iteration of the Spelman woman. It reminds me a little bit of a conversation I had with Dr. Beverly Guy Sheftall, shout out to her, um, about how it used to be considered the Spellman lady mm. and all the connotations that comes with being a lady, you know, being polite, crossing your legs, white dresses and all of that other stuff. And I think I did a project about the Spellman woman a little bit ago and to hear her discuss the Spellman woman versus the Spellman lady there's not very many big differences between mm. them. Like, of course, the Spellman woman is a little bit more modernized, um, more like business centered and all of that. But there's not that huge of a difference between in the history. But mm -hmm. I also think that even though Dorothy is revolutionary in a way, she's also very, very close to these different ideas of the Spellman woman and the Spellman lady of like she's still very polite she still very speaks she still speaks in very specific terms um which reminds me of a couple even limitations in the way that Dorothy presents herself in comparison to a different character Teeny like Dorothy is very timid she still speaks with a little she's like soft-spoken and I love I love her softness but also she's not necessarily super counter, I guess, ideas of like what a, of what a woman should be. Mm -hmm. Where Teeny, on the other hand, which is gonna talk, the comparison will be talked about a little bit more. Teeny, on the other hand, she fully sits on this man that is evil to her. Like, <laughs> right. Teeny, Eveline, both have that kind of. Absolutely, like, um, Teeny is quite literally married to a man without a heart. Mm. Oof, what's that like, girl? <laughs> <laughs> Speak on it. Teeny is introduced to us as the woman of the Tin Man. She's only in the film for for a little bit, and when she's when she first appears, 
she's sitting on the tin man and the tin man is upset because his wife is sitting on her sitting on him excuse me and she's depicted once again with these markers of these cultural markers of undesirability she's bigger she's dark skinned um and she has a frown on her face you can even see them touch in featurism a little bit with like the size of her nose and the shape of her face and all these other things. And she is depicted as this evil, mean character, someone that makes the Tin Man cry. But I don't think we consider often, as I was starting to consider in a comic, that she is quite literally married to a man without a heart. Her cries for help are not legible to the rest of us. The way that she articulates that she she needs something that isn't present in her relationship with the Tin Man, they're not, we don't understand it. We just see her as this, or we as in the audience, see her as this evil character who limits the Tin Man's growth. When, like I said before, the Tin Man isn't expressive. He's not, he's doesn't have a heart. So there's a comparison to be made there between how Teenie's discomfort and Dorothy's discomfort are expressed throughout the film. Yeah, Ananda, I think you bring up a lot of great points. Getting back to what you were talking about with Dorothy, Dorothy being this very legible um, femme woman-like persona, um, I think that has everything to do with how Dorothy is, like you said, she is polite. She, um, she wants to save the men-like creatures in her life. Um, she's small and timid and teeny is none of these things. Um, I think it's important to call this out because, you know, in this moment, as we're navigating Zoom University, not everybody is gonna express um, their pain and their suffering like Dorothy and the Wiz does. Um, and not everybody, will have a polite and song-like cry. I think it's important <laughs> to look at people like Teeny, women like Teeny, because as, as Black women, as Black femmes, you know, being the sensitive, being the soft self is kind of new to us. Um, this moment is causing us to be more sensitive. It's allowing us. Um, as you know, we're all mourning. We're all grieving. We're all trying to gear up to perform this semester and try to be the best students that we can. And Teeny shows, Teeny shows us what happens when you have, when your cries aren't legible, when nobody can hear you. I think um, Dorothy has a couple of limitations. She misses that Teeny is not just a mammy doll. She's not just the Tin Man's wife. But the Batini is a woman who is also suffering. Um, her crushing the Tin Man could be seen as an act of resistance, an act of self-defense, because like you said, he is a heartless, soulless man who could have been abusive. But we don't know that because Dorothy and the Scarecrow just push and disregard Teeny and they move on. They continue to ease on down the road. This moment teaches us that in this moment, as a Spelman community, we're going to have to be very attentive, very careful when it comes to 
treating each other, um, we can learn from Dorothy that it's gonna take a better eye, more attention, because she did it with other folks in the movie. She was able to save and redeem other folks, but she wasn't able to do it when it was time to save her sisters. So as black women and femmes who are viewers of The Wiz, I think we can take away that we must have care. Um, that's another thing, care and tenderness for all black femmes and women. So on that point about um, care, how do you guys think that Dorothy was cared for throughout the film? How do you think she cared for others? And what can we take from her um, portrayal in trying to care for our Spellman siblings as the year goes on? You know, but one point is actually kind of tied to your, um, for, to your question, because in the film, yes, it's Dorothy's story. And yes, she kind of changes at the end. It's not like a, it's like there's a change, but it's not, it's like she's still kind of, kind of the same. But a lot of the care and a lot of the labor that she puts in is like to other men <laughs> whose, whose lives are in duress in some kind of way. And especially like when it comes to the cowardly line and the, like, the amount of like time that they like take to like reassure this man of his like pride and ego. And <laughs> no, really guys, they were like, Please. so he can be king. You know, all that dead space was him. They're trying to, you're a lion, you're good, you're a king. <laughs> like, okay, they didn't do this with Dorothy when Dorothy was going through whatever. She doesn't get that kind of care. She doesn't really get that um, attention. attention in a way. Um, and a lot of her time in the film is definitely spent um, kind of rescuing these men in a way. But there really isn't another um, woman or femme that's there that she can share any kind of like experiences or stuff with. Yes, you have like the like the good and bad witches, but they're like, all right, this is what you need to do. You need to go to this guy. He's going to figure out. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she's like, oh, wait. And they're like gone. So it was like, oh. Okay, <laughs> so um, yeah, she, there really isn't a whole lot of um, sisterhood or any kind of, like the community that she makes is with a bunch of guys, which isn't an issue, but it's like, you know, just something to note. To note. It's like, yeah, there, there's no other women in the film that really, that she gets to really spend a whole lot of time with really at all. So a lot of her the work that she puts in is always catered to like these guys. So yeah, women are completely are at the sidelines. Only the people that are there are just the men that are around in her life. And they kind of help, but a lot of times she's more of helping them. Yeah. I, I've always thought that perhaps next to the magic, one of the most unrealistic things about this film is that, a woman would try to navigate foreign territory with three men that she doesn't know. Yeah. That's just a note for me. Three men that are heartless, cowardly, and brainless. <laughs> right. Girl. It, just, it, it couldn't be me. It just couldn't be me personally. Like a set up. <laughs> Sounds like a prank. But again, on this, on this point, Stephanie, I really like what you're saying. The thing about the Wizard of Oz and the Wiz and all the iterations is that, you know, the men slash 
mystical beings, whatever they are, <laughs> are not actually what they think they are. The lion is not actually cowardly. You know, the tin man yes. is thinking about how he has no feelings while crying. Like, obviously you have feelings. You know, Michael Jackson is quoting Cicero and then saying, oh, I'm stupid. So it's, you know, that's another cultural interpretation of like what society tells us we are versus what we actually are. But it's on, it all falls on Dorothy to bring that out of them. They had to rely on her work as a black woman to, to, to come into their own. Whereas her coming into her own is all based off of her, the work she's doing for others, not really herself. She finds like in the home song, she's talking about how she's found all this love, but you know, she was the initiation of all that love. <laughs> like right. her love was stemming from her. So that's another um, addition to what you were saying. We did discuss how there's not really moments with other black women, but there is a really big one at the end of the movie with Glenda, um, where she's kind of giving this empowerment, like, I believe in you, girl, you do it, sister, like kind of moment, which is amazing from Lena Horne. So, um, so what I was gathering from a couple of the previous statements is that um, Dorothy is a little different from the Spelman woman because she misses opportunities for sisterhood. Um, her whole journey, she's helping these kind of fragile and insecure men. So I think she is different from us because as Spelman students, we do have this responsibility to help heal, to help heal other Spelmanites. So I think that's important. But um, another powerful thing about the Wiz that makes it a little different from from traditional black women's narratives is after she does heal all of her insecure companions, um, Glinda the Good <laughs> Witch tells her, hey sis, hey, 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 you gotta think about yourself. She, um, right. so the Wiz, after we learn that the Wiz is this big phony, um, Dorothy does something that I think is very beautiful and very powerful. She asserts a boundary. The Wiz goes, oh, can you help me next? She says, no, baby. Can't do that. That's for you. Got to get back home. Here. And I think that's very unique um, to a Black women's narrative because so often we're challenged to save the world. And that world does not include ourselves. So um, Dorothy, at the very end, she's learning about um, boundaries and self-love, which is beautiful. Um, so with all of that being said, do we want to wrap up on some of our final remarks, some of the last final notes that we took away from the film? I actually wanted to mention something um, that this, <laughs> that briefly, that this point made me think of is when you look at the scene with Glinda the Good Witch, Lena Horne is, of all of the witches, the lightest and the smallest Oof. and has this very beautiful connection with Dorothy who in some ways looks very similarly to her giving her this love and this inspiration that she didn't necessarily receive from the other women in the film and I think when we talk about the reproduction of stereotypes and even this note on being a soft and gentle black woman and what that can look like that's definitely something to keep front of mm. mind very good point. We didn't talk much about Eveline um, and some of the other uh, characters, but I mean, 
they're comparing the two of them right there is more than enough to make the point for you Hollis. Right. So definitely. But in terms of my final takeaways, um, in terms of what the whiz, in terms of what I'm taking from the whiz to go to get me through this semester, um, really the message is about family, community, love, our, universal and it's really my like chosen community of people that I go to during that are that are there for me during this time that have made it manageable and we're what is this the second week like girl I'm I'm already (laughs) calling upon my community if so to speak but really what Dorothy um even though I just talked about how she was giving a lot and not receiving I think that is still how I want to model my um, relationships with my Spelman siblings with my friends with my family is really giving first and trying to cultivate my own personal like you know community family etc and hoping that in the end I will receive because I've cultivated this, you know, great relationship. It just trailed. It trailed. I don't know where I was going, but it's okay. I think you made, I think you made the point. I do. Thanks. Thanks community (laughs) member. (laughs) Thanks comrade. Ananda, Stephanie. Um, Yeah. There was actually one aspect of the film. I think why it is so endearing and what also makes it such a unique, like, black stories it's focused on really liberation at the end of the day like a lot of the songs are very much tied to like living independently being free from some kind of like oppressive state and really um uh, the film is really kind of about self-actualization getting to that highest pinnacle where you can really come into yourself and yeah Mm -hmm. and i mean that's why i think some of the music is so like you can't win like that well like when i was like because i had with the subtitles off and i was reading the like the um the lyrics and like hearing the performance like i was like geez that is such a representation of just what how it's like like just being black in this world you can't win you can't get you can't get out the game everything's a loss everything is just a net lose for you at all times but seeing like Dorothy come and it's like nah bruh we can work through this we ease on down the road and we'll get to our place where we can self-actualize or then seeing brand new day where they're coming out of this shell of themselves into who they are actually and they can move they can dance freely be in this kind of brand new day in this brand new life and live independently you know they're coming into themselves and even with home um or in that like sequence where um Dorothy's talking with Lena Horn and like I can't remember who says it but the quote is like if you know you're um like yourself you will always be home so like if when you become into yourself it doesn't matter where you are you always be settled you'll always be one and um there's a lot of just different beautiful moments in the movie that really separates it from other adaptions separates it from the Wizard of Oz which is a very more escapist kind of film which is like it's but it's like it's its own thing but the whiz is just so uniquely black because of those liberation you know messages and the and how it really comes from a black experience starting in like this kind of really dark place because 
thing with their Munchenland is like really dark, almost kind of scary, you know, or like where the scarecrow is, he kind of looks like he's in like, I don't know, some like blown out, like, you know how like when you see old pictures of like the Bronx in like the 70s where it's just blown out buildings, just rubble everywhere, like that's where it starts, just completely at the bottom and you see them just grow and to this new place where they're in this fantastical kind of world and you can go home. And so, yeah, I think definitely the ways there's, you know, some (laughs) rough parts to it, but I think at the core of it, you know, as you all saying, community, family, love, sex, self-actualizing is really beautiful message that come out, beautiful messages that come out of this film. That's a really beautiful point, Stephanie. I definitely agree. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree as well. Ananda, you get the last word, girl. Oh, I'm sorry, Joe, if you had something else to say too, you can have the last <laughs> word, so. Ananda, go ahead. Okay. I think a lot about home and community not necessarily being a matter of physical place, mm-hmm. which is really important, especially as Black people um, in America. Like, we're a displaced people, mm-hmm. and we had to create this idea of home out of this whole, like, this is strange, weird, bad things are happening to me. Um, We've had to create home out of being with each other, learning each other, understanding ourselves and in relation with each other. And especially as Dorothy comes back to the same place of home, it's not home because she's you know, back where she started, it's home because she came with a new frame of mind. And that's my favorite piece um, of the film. Perspective, all about perspective. All about perspective. Joop, last word. Um, So this film leaves me with a couple of takeaways. To talk about home, one of my favorite things about that song is that, Diana Ross, she's talking about, she has this line, um, this brand new world might be a fantasy, but it taught me to love, so it's real. And Mm -hmm. I think the power of love is so transformative. And she sings about it in that very song. The power of this tender and loving and friendly companionship, this journey helped her in some tremendous ways, find more clarity and direction and the power that she encompasses within herself. So um, that's a really powerful message for me. I mean, it helps me understand that, um, you know, The Wiz, it might be this fantasy-like film, but very, lots, of, lots of these snippets that we're all talking about relate to our real lives, and that is real. Um, and then I would also just like to note that The Wiz reminds me that I can't forget about my sisters when I'm going on this healing journey, um, that I must move honestly, um, and I must tap into my emotions no no matter how frazzled and weary it might seem. The honesty that comes from Dorothy is just remarkable, and it affords her this very compassionate and fantastical environment. So those are my takeaways. And Those were all very beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> everyone is so thoughtful. Our team is really just look at what we've done here. 
I think um, I want to go ahead and thank everybody for participating. Special big thank you to <laughs> Joke for drafting the coming up with the episode idea. Yes. First of all, drafting the episode outline, really taking on the brunt of the work, and it shows because I think this was a really great discussion. Yes, um, thank you to Ananda and Stephanie for joining us. Thank you all. And I'm just gonna go ahead and do our little up for what to look out next for from the blue record um if you don't know by now surprise we have a blog and you can access the blog by going to our website the blue record podcast.com and clicking on blog um <laughs> to be specific exactly um two of our blog editors have joined us on this call ananda and stephanie and as you can see they're really thoughtful people really nice people so if you want to submit to the blog and you have something to say you can do that also at the website you can find all the information for that if you have an episode idea a proposal a request to send us money i don't know something of that sort (laughs) you can email us and we have finally transitioned along with the rest of spellman to outlook so our email is blue record at spellman.edu hit us there for all of your inquiries um follow us on social media to keep up with us we do most of our just like promotion posts on our instagram which is at the blue record we also tweet a lot so follow us at the blue record on twitter and if you want to connect with us in a more professional capacity please go ahead and um either like our Facebook page or connect with us on LinkedIn where we are also known as the blue record. Cause we're super professional, super professional, super streamlined, everything super streamlined. Um, the next blog post should be out sometime next week. And who knows, maybe we will continue discussions about the whiz in text format, but we will surely continue more of this discussion later on with, potentially some ideas we have in the works you don't know we'll keep you on your toes (laughs) and if you really love us we would love for you to leave us a review on spotify apple podcast you know it's okay if it's below five stars but wink wink you know what i'm suggesting here don't give them the option to do that it's not okay if it lets you do anything less than five stars the system is broken and you're not treating us with love and grace so if you don't know now you know go leave us a review because we love you and you love us exactly and if you do leave us a review maybe we'll i don't know maybe we'll mention your name or something i don't know i could i'm offering the only uh incentives (laughs) that i can think of but we will be best Thank you again to everyone for participating. I hope everyone has a wonderful day and the rest of a wonderful semester. Yay, Zoom you.